0: Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com slash SME today. Again, agorapulse.com slash
1: SME.
2: Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, your guide to the ever-changing world of social media.
3: Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, a social media examiner production. I'm Eric Fisher. My co-host today is Grace Duffy, and this is the show for marketers looking to stay on the leading edge of social media. We bring you expert opinions about the relevant social media news and how it impacts you. On today's show, we're going to explore upcoming changes to YouTube's public-facing subscriber counts and marketers' reactions to the Facebook ad manager issues that have been ongoing, and we're going to be joined by special guests, Owen Video and Gavin Bell. Alert, alert, the doors are closing. Check out the Social Media Marketing Society. If you have not joined us yet, you still have time. Go to socialmediasociety.info. The society provides you with confidence to be a great marketer succeed in whatever marketing job it is you have. You will have the companionship and ongoing support from thousands of your peers, support from pros, as well as the training that they provide. Again, check it out, Social Media Marketing Society at socialmediasociety.info. As a reminder, everything we talk about in this episode will be in the links, that you will find in the show notes at social slash news in the post that publishes on Saturday. All right, our first guest is Owen Video, a YouTube marketing consultant specializing in small business growth. And he is the founder of the Video Marketing School and the Video Sales Machine. It is Owen Video. Welcome back to the show.
0: Yo, yo, yo. So glad to be here. And let me just say I am a member of the Social Media Marketing Society, and I love that group. It is such a community. Great content is being shared there uh, from the training, but also from the other members. And so just wanted to put my two cents in there. I really enjoy being a part of that organization. Well, awesome.
3: Thank you for that, Owen. That's great to know. So YouTube, Grace, if you would be so kind as to give us a brief summary of the bare bones of this news, and then we will bring out more additional information as we go through the segment, because you're going to be like, wait, they did what? Well, what does this mean? And we're we'll like, here's some more facts for that. So there you go. All
2: right. I'm, g- I'm going to talk very slowly, but clearly. I don't have okay. to do that. <laughs> OK, so YouTube is changing the way that subscriber counts are being displayed publicly so they are doing this is a change the way the real-time subscription numbers are changing for creators with over a thousand subscribers this update is rolling out in august of this year so that's 2019 this is um youtube issued this as an early heads up they also noted that channels with fewer than a thousand subscribers will still be shown the exact subscriber accounts, they also have access to their accurate subscriber accounts in the Creator Studio. So my question for you, Owen, is Uh, Can anyone be have a Creator Studio account or is there a certain subscriber threshold before you can have access to? The Creator Studio is where you can
0: manage your videos. It's where you can look at your analytics. It's where uh, YouTube gives you the opportunity to look at your click through rate. You can, you know, change your thumbnail and and do all that kind of stuff. So everybody that signs up to YouTube will get a Creator Studio. Now, if you've had uh, a YouTube channel for uh, some time, but you're not really using it, you're probably still in the old old creator studio. You know, I've I've got multiple channels, stuff I've done for years and I can log into my older channels and I'll see that I'm still in the the older version. The new version Creator Studio beta, this is re- it's really exciting. So not everyone may have that by default, but in the left-hand side of your YouTube Creator Studio, you should have a link that says switch to Creator Studio beta. So, yes, everyone has a creator studio, which version you have uh, just depends on your channel and, you know, what you want to choose, what you want to be looking at. So, OK, you do have that option. Cool. Right,
2: Owen, but either way, you all, whichever version you have, you still have access to your accurate yeah. subscriber count, right? Okay, cool. That's cool. Yeah. So,
3: so, oh, and thanks for clearing that up because I didn't know that some people had access to beta and some didn't. So that's good to know. Yeah. I've been able to get into the beta on the social media examiner account. So, you know, I, I just didn't give that much thought. So, I, but I think some people may not, may not know that. So as far as this YouTube subscriber count being displayed let's say accurately versus uh, rounding. What are your initial thoughts before we get into some of the nitty gritty details? You know, I really
0: feel like this is a PR move, that this is really more of a let's play nice with the culture move. Like everyone's doing this, no likes, no popularity thing. (laughs) So YouTube's kind of jumping on the bandwagon here. I have sort of these mixed feelings because I know as an influencer, I'm supposed to come on and say like, YouTube's great and YouTube's amazing. I feel like this is a really like a waste of time move, right? Because if you look at the details of it, it's, it's basically this, if you have 1,135 uh, subscribers, then your subscribers will display as 1.1 K
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. and YouTube wants these big humanitarian awards. Look at how we're celebrating the channel and, 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 and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and yet at the same time, all of the benefits of YouTube come with what? subscriber counts. So I I get really frustrated with these social media platforms that are, that are trying to do kind of like this social good while like by saying, Oh, we're not going to show our, our likes. We're not going to show our view counts. We're not going to show our followers. But then when you engage on the platform, all of their rules are based on, all of their advantages are based on likes and subscriber counts. So you know, it's it, I'm kind of I'm watching the videos on this yesterday, listening to all the commentary and even the YouTube experts themselves are sort of rolling their eyes on this one. It just doesn't seem like a big deal. It seems more like YouTube saw what Instagram is doing and is like jumping on the bandwagon and wants some of the the positive PR points, which. I'm not here to insult, but I think from a creator perspective, from a business perspective, it's not really a a great use of our time to to worry about these types of things. You know, at the end of the day, your subscribers don't necessarily matter on YouTube for anything other than getting advanced YouTube features. Right. The more subscribers you get, the more features they give to you. What as creators, where we make our money is on view counts is getting views, right? If you're a, a straight up creator, uh, getting paid on AdSense, then you want your view counts and your watch time to increase so that you get paid more AdSense money. Now that's, that's not really my game. My, I'm in the business game. And so my game is to get good view counts. So I get the right customers hearing about the video marketing school and then they can go and enroll. So I want more view counts so that I get a higher number of, of people going to my website. Again, subscribers don't matter at, at, in, that, in that game. What, what matters is how many people saw the video and were able to accomplish the business objective of that video. So you know we, we should all still be very, very focused on our
3: total views and our watch time. All right. So this is a twofold question. Number one, Do you feel like that creators out there basically, I mean, you said you've seen other YouTubers basically saying, eh, like, do they feel like it just doesn't matter? It's not really going to affect them. That's part one. Part two is, do you think they'd still feel that way if this was YouTube messing with the view count instead of the subscriber count?
0: Yeah. You know, great question. So number one is I, I don't see, I don't hear a lot of our creator community up in arms about this. It's just kind of, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of like, if you've got, you know, what was the example from the video? It's like 52,335,421 subscribers. It's going to display as 53 M right? Like, oh, oh, devastating, devastating. Let's be honest. Like 99% of us all have channels under 5,000 subs. Now, I don't. We don't. We don't either. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's not it's not necessarily affecting anyone's ego, because if you've got five thousand two hundred subs, it's still displaying as five point two. Yeah.
3: When you get up into those higher numbers, it still takes a much higher amount of numbers or new subscribers to make that tick go one more to go from one hundred and thirty three thousand or one, sorry, 133 K to 134 K is a much bigger one number advancement, but it represents a whole lot more people. 51 million to 52 million. Again, one more million subscribers, but in the end you've already got 51 million. You kind of have the cloud already.
0: And you're not getting that many views on your videos. You know, you're getting a small percentage of those subscribers um, actually watching your videos. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, maybe, you know, we've, it's very common on YouTube. Maybe maybe you got half of your subscribers for doing a, um, you know, like a cover song, or maybe you did a spoof or a parody video and you got 80% of your subscribers that way, but the other the other 20% are there for your tutorials. Well, as you continue to create tutorials, guess what that 80% is doing? Nothing. They are not interested. They came in on your spoof or your parody or whatever the the case may be. So your your subscribers can be a real distracting metric. Now, it's great that we can go into our creator studio and still see the exact number of subscribers, but I can tell you from a a business standpoint, we sort of look at milestones, right? So right now, my my channels at 48,700 and something. Right. But I don't even know because my, my interest is, is not in the exact number it's getting to 50,000. So we look at this in milestones, right? We look at a thousand, 5,000, 10,000, and then 20,000, 25, and then 50. Those are just some of the milestones that we, they're arbitrary. We decided that those numbers matter, but they indicate they indicate the success of our content on YouTube. So I'm not, I'm not so much concerned about the numerics of it all, as I am about hitting the milestones and showing channel growth, right? Where does channel growth come from? It comes from the watch time or from the views as well, which, which indicate watch time. If YouTube were to sort of play with the view counts, I think that you would see pitchforks, and and, you, you know, torches, I think it would be like that scene from Beauty and the Beast, like to the death, to the <laughs> death, you know, what, I mean? this is what happened with the YouTube shooting two years ago. Right. There was a shooting at YouTube two years ago and it was a tragic thing. Uh, the only person that died was the shooter but this was triggered by uh, messing with some of the metrics and things and and messing with the important things and so it's it's something that we should know what matters on YouTube and then focus on content that affects what matters mm-hmm.
3: Well, and I got to ask, though, I mean, I guess I guess what I hear you're saying, and I'm, I'm assuming this, but I want to confirm it, is that, again, with follower counts, it's not necessarily going to be kind of what some people are having an issue with over on the Instagram test where they pull away right. the the likes. The better translation would be subscribers and followers, which, again, sure. Instagram is also testing doing away with a public count of, by the way. But now. Yeah. Uh, People are saying on Instagram, well, if they don't show how many people like the photo, how will I know it's worth liking? And I'm like, look at the photo. Like, so I'm I'm assuming that really on YouTube, that's not as much of an issue with someone saying, like, if a a video grabs your attention, if it's fed up to you in your suggested or your news feed or whatever, and the thumbnail's great and it looks like it might be interesting, you're not going to say, well, hold up. How many subscribers do they have before I check out this video? So you bring up
0: a great point, and I, I want to sort of, I, I want to sort of, you know, add to that a little bit. You know, I, the, first of all, I'm hearing a whole lot of influencers talk about how much they love the idea that that Instagram's doing away with with likes, and yet these same people are voraciously chasing likes on their own Instagrams. And so I feel like it's really trendy right now to be like, Oh yeah, I don't, I don't want to see view counts. Like I'm not into that man. Like I'm way more like woke than you yet. At the same time, these likes are a great indication. It's a great social proof indicator. Is this going to be something that's worth my time? So when we take this back onto YouTube, there's a social proof factor that I I find valuable, right? Like you've got a title, you've got a thumbnail, but is that video really delivering on the promise of the title and the thumbnail, or is it sort of a bait and switch thing? When I see that this video has good views on it, or or there there's a YouTube subscriber that's got, or a YouTube channel has got some, some big subscribers. There's an element of trust there. There's an element of social proof there that says, okay, you know, this guy's legit. This girl's legit. Like they've, they've shown me some stuff here and I, I might be able to trust that. So Uh, You you know, I'm sort of like in this place where I like the idea of it. uh, If it doesn't affect the algorithms yet at the same time, these are numbers that we've come to sort of look at as secondary indicators for the validity of a content creator. You know, if if I don't know how many people are following them, then how do I know that this is not like an Instagram pet, right? Something Instagram wants me to like versus something that my friends and my network actually like Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's a challenge. I think that the view counts and the followers Help to keep the algorithms accountable. You know, if if I see a political message in my feed and there's no likes on it or, or anything, I'm wondering, how did this get into my feed? Right. Was this because all of my friends and family are liking this? Or is it because Instagram and the powers that be are trying to convince me of something that they want me to believe? it's hard to tell right now. We're, we're still in the beginning phases of it. So, you know, I haven't taken a position on, I love it or I hate it yet. I'm kind of like, all right, let's evaluate what could happen. Let's evaluate why we like to see the likes. Uh, and, and let's see where the market goes after this. You know, it's a bold move. My gut is to say, this is cool, but again, I'm, I'm still not sure why I would see something in the newsfeed if a bunch of my friends and network weren't liking it. Right. Um, how is it getting to me? And I think it opens the door for a lot more, you know, platform skepticism, which mm. uh, is, is heavy, right? That right now, I don't think social media platforms are trusted. Um, thanks to Facebook and the whole privacy thing. I think we're all in this, this place of, of aftershock and can we trust YouTube can we trust Instagram.
3: Right. Yeah. Well, interesting. I th- we've got some other YouTube news here, uh ad related, so this is pretty interesting. Grace, why don't you give us a quick summary on the 6-second bumper ads?
2: Oh yes, 3 years ago, YouTube introduced a 6-second bumper ad, which was yeah. just like ah because at that point, I mean, people had there was 15-second ads, 30-second ads, of course, you know, 60-second ads, but like what could you do in three seconds? What? And so, yeah, Google has said that people have risen to the challenge and they've seen a lot of creativity. Well, now they are testing a new tool that uses machine learning to automatically generate these six-second ads using your longer ads. Um, they said that they'll create these by scanning the ads for key elements like a voiceover, or a tight focus, or close-up or logo. And then ends with a final call to action, you know, two or three seconds of the video will be like your, you know, call to action or whatever. So we're curious, have you seen any of these ads and what do you think of them?
0: Okay. So I have a YouTube premium account, so I don't see any ads unless I go to one of my, one of my other pages, which I often do to get a look at what's going on. I have not yet seen the six, the six second ads, but I will tell you this. I love Love, love the idea. See, I, I'm an ads guy. In fact, uh, one of my favorite um, internet marketers was speaking yesterday on Instagram, which, by the way, had a lot of likes on it. So he was mentioning that, um, you know, if you haven't started with ads yet, you're six months behind, right? For a business owner, for small businesses, and this includes freelancers, you know, ads are. Our billboards. Those are our our bus stop advertisements. Those are our you know open up the newspaper quarter page ads. So we need to be running ads, right? Uh, as businesses, I think it's a wise business thing to do. Now we don't need to be running four to six minute ads. Having a six second ad is perfect, right? Yeah. Just like hey, the video marketing school. Learn video marketing today. Boom,
3: done. They gave an example when I was looking into this a little bit more. I, they gave an example and it was for DoorDash and DoorDash. If you don't know, is basically you order from somewhere local, they go get it, bring it to you. And it was a six second ad that basically conveyed like this person had a hole in their, the, their living room wall and they were bundled up and the DoorDash guy comes to the hole in the wall, hands them the food, the guy hands them the money. And then the sign up comes up at the end. It says DoorDash. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, you conveyed the value in less, yeah, basically less than six seconds. Cause the last was a splash screen that said DoorDash and I was like, yeah, okay. I want to use this even though I don't, <laughs> wouldn't normally use it.
2: What do you think about this tool yeah. that will automatically create these ads for you? So, I mean, okay. so I was watching, I was watching the basketball game last night,
0: uh, Toronto and Milwaukee, great game by the way. And in the middle of this, this game was a commercial for beer. Okay. And, and in this beer commercial, they had a German lady saying how they're using artificial intelligence to detect more flavors to help them make more beer faster. So I love artificial intelligence. OK, I'm just gonna put that out there. That being said, um, I really love this idea of A.I. taking a, a bigger piece of content and finding the little chunks of it and putting that out there for someone to view. I think that this is an indicator of two big things. Number one, uh, two years ago, in fact, I was on the show with you, Eric, talking about this two years ago. Uh, YouTube introduced a program called YouTube Director. Yes. And in this program, YouTube would send a videographer over to your house to film a 30-second commercial. It was totally free. The only the only uh, catch was that you had to run uh $349 in ad spend with the video they produced for you. Now, I called, I had a director come to my house. She filmed all of my stuff. She made a great video and I never heard from YouTube again. In fact, they canceled the program. So I believe that that this is an indication. This, this AI is sort of like the next level, right? Like that didn't work. Let's try this now because YouTube wants more advertisers. With, with YouTube, the whole system has been very confusing, right? It's like, If a viewer watches your ad for 30 seconds, then you pay for the ad. If they skip after five seconds, you don't pay for the ad. If your ad is less than 30 seconds, but more than five, you know, it's like this whole thing and, and advertisers, I think like, I run a small bakery business. I'm going like, huh? Mm -hmm. So let us take care of it. You upload the video and, and we'll chop up a six second AI piece. The, the final thing is this, I think it's proving that click through on YouTube ads is not really a thing. So why waste the viewers time? I will say this, right. they are all about putting you in a position to sit down and watch video. And if you've got some real estate agent or bug company screaming at you for two minutes before you can watch your video, because I mean, if you think about it, look, a lot of people are beaming to their TV, which means to skip the ad, I've got to get up and get the remote. And it's like, ah, I forgot about this. So I think that we're seeing that YouTube ads may not be the best place for click through, but a good place for brand recognition, right. And getting your name out there. So I envision, you know, local companies running six second ads on YouTube that are like, get your house fumigated before spring call today for a $50 discount. Done, And that's going to cost you pennies. It's going to cost you pennies. Now you couple that with with an effective Facebook strategy that says, Hey, you may have seen our ads on YouTube, get your $50 off today. Click here. Now you've got sort of this, this two-step ad program that completely uh, blankets your local market, your marketplace with your message, right? at pennies to the dollar of what normal ads would cost. And you may see a, a huge spike in your QuickBooks at the end of the month. Yeah. So I think that YouTube is telling us a lot by saying six seconds, let us do it for you and, and just enjoy, enjoy the process is, um, uh, that's, that's a big indicator and we should be paying attention to that.
2: Absolutely. I also want to note that this tool is currently in the alpha test phase and they will be beta testing it soon. But this was something that they had announced through TechCrunch and through some other publications. No gamma testing or epsilon. No.
3: And then uh, the omega test, you know. Anyways,
2: uh- <laughs> I was going to say, I think it's really funny. We started off this. Those of you that joined us on the Crowdcast early. these uh, This is some of the magical moments that, that you get to catch. We were we are singing and reminiscing about eighties commercials and missing eighties commercials. And now we we're like shorter, faster, quicker ads.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you can still get in that, that, you know, that hook with it. So
0: but- yeah, look, check it out. Uh, Hey everybody, join the video marketing school today and learn video marketing. Simply say Alexa, go to the video marketing Right. <laughs> How, now I'm turning my Alexa down right now. Cause she's going to have- go off. Six second ads
3: can be very effective if you do them properly. Yeah. So there's another version of ads that's coming out called image only ads. And I find it might be a little bit tricky because I'm, I'm wondering when so much attention from people who are making YouTube videos on the platform is it, so much attention is given to getting the right thumbnail. Right. Then why allow an image only ad in the middle of the home feed? And do we, I mean, do we think this is going to work? Is this going to diminish the the platform?
0: This is, I think, part of
3: the whole
0: um, making ads more accessible to everyone, right? Uh, YouTube's ad system is complicated. You you can't go onto YouTube and boost an ad. You have to go to YouTube and upload the video, and then you have to go into a whole separate system called AdSense to construct and boost the ad. So once you're in AdSense now, for how many of you have MCC accounts from like 10 years ago, right? So like I've got this MCC account from 10 years ago. I'm not even sure how to access it anymore uh, because that system has changed platforms so many times. It's, it's complicated. And I think what YouTube is saying is YouTube is saying is we're going to make it easy for you to advertise on this platform. Something Google is not known for, right? Or Alphabet. However, we, you know, YouTube is owned by Google. So Google has never really been known for making it easy for you, definitely being effective for you, but never really something that's been easy for you. I mean, their keyword planner tool, I mean, the the link to that changes every year. So I think what YouTube is saying is YouTube is saying we want to compete. We want to be in this space for real. And we don't we're not going to just sit idly by while Facebook dominates the ad ecosystem. YouTube wants to play. And a smart business owner, even a freelancer, is going to take advantage of the astronomically low price of ads that's happening on YouTube right now. Just think about this, right? I go to conferences all the time, and you see empty conferences. It's obvious. There's nobody there. The whole conference is yours. You can meet the speakers. You have more advanced opportunities to network because there's no competition. That's YouTube. There's not a lot of people there, whereas everybody and their brother is is advertising on Facebook and then everybody and their mother is advertising. I'll show you how to run Facebook ads. It's a very crowded ecosystem. The prices have like quadrupled in the last two years, whereas YouTube's like, hey, ain't nobody here. We'll let you do this. We'll make the ad for you. So my challenge uh, to those of you listening right now is like spend time this weekend, go to YouTube, figure out how to get an ad up. We've got some courses on how to do that, but just get up there, get it up and see, come and see what that experience is like because YouTube is a great place to build brand recognition. It's also a place of low competition.
3: Do you think that for somebody who's going to try out these image only ads that the approach should be how much like a standard or attention-grabbing YouTube thumbnail, I should make my image for my ad be blend in, but then stand out because of that
0: almost. Here's my impression of
3: a YouTube thumbnail.
0: Right? (laughs) Like...
3: (laughs) Basically, uh, for those that are listening via podcast and not live, yeah. Owen made just basically the the weirdest face. And By the way, that is one of the things that, like, say, for example, Justin Brown will I mean, I've seen him do it. He, he gave the example where he was like, you know, there'll be I'll set aside a time to sit there and just pose uh, 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 and do all the different poses. And then I have all those shots that then use to impose in or intersect into whatever the right word yeah. is into all his different. Yeah. Uh, you know, where it's him posing and pointing and doing this and like, Yay. yeah, you know, so, but that's not what right. we want to do for this then. I
0: think that it's going to confuse the viewer because they're going to see that goofy face and think they're watching another video, yeah. um, or they're, they're going to sort of what's going on here because this is a real passive situation, right? Like you press on a video, you want to see like, uh, you know, social media examiners, the journey. You click on that and there's this like weird face of a guy that says like, you know, brush your teeth with Colgate. I don't think that's going to work. I think instead what we're literally looking at here is a new kind of billboard, right? You're you're looking at an image here that for six seconds conveys the value of what you're talking about. And it's an interesting play. That's going to be a very long six seconds, right? Because there's nobody talking at you. There's no movement there. But I do think it opens the door for like multimedia ads. You know, when you get a guy like uh, Jeff C, right? Who, for the most part, is very talented. For the for the most part, for <laughs> right? the most part, yes. You know, he does these uh, moving like cinematographs, right? He does these sort yeah. of moving image pictures that I think are spectacular. Uh, I think that doing doing images only opens up the door for slideshows. Uh, so I, I think it opens up the door to start advertising because YouTube knows that the creative geniuses that are behind these channels are, are not the business people that we sometimes think they are. It's the channel managers. It's the social media managers behind the creative talent that are going to run the ads. And so, you know, they know getting an ad up, getting, getting a, a YouTube person to, to, to do a, a non-Youtube video is a tough thing. We've got full schedules. You know, it's not like we're sitting around. Roberto Blake had a great tweet the other day on what a video content creator actually does. And he had this huge long list of things that's about half of what we do. Right. So kind of, oh, I need a six-second video. It might seem so simple, but it's like, well, I've got brand quality, I've got brand standards. I need to be inspired. I don't want to do a video. I'm not, I don't feel good about. Whereas these image ads, it gives us a chance to kind of say, I can make images, but I can't get Joe to do a video so I can do images and I'll put that up and we can start generating revenue. It's a great way to introduce YouTube ads to a, to a non-video um, producer and to get proof of concepts going, which is so, so, so key guys to get proof of concepts going to your boss. Right. I, I, so often promote to, you know, our clients like ask forgiveness, not permission You know, your boss doesn't know anything about YouTube. He's looking at QuickBooks and he's looking at his ROI and stuff. He doesn't know anything about YouTube. He probably doesn't know much about Facebook. And so the answer is often going to be no, right? You can go back to the reptilian brain, the lizard brain. We see things we're not aware of. We're not, we're not like familiar with them. Our immediate thing is, whoa, let me investigate this. That's what your bosses are doing. You've got to be in a place where you're not saying to your boss, hey, can we do YouTube? You're going to say, guess what? We did YouTube and look at the numbers we got. Yep. Speaking the language your boss speaks at this point. So I think that introducing these non-video ads is a great, great way to make YouTube more mainstream, which is what I want to see.
3: I would have to imagine that, again, people who are part of YouTube premium will probably not end up seeing these anyway, (laughs) as newsfeed placement ads. So anyway, I don't want to go down that road. Uh <laughs> we got to wrap up your segment and move on cuz Gavin's got some great stuff. But Owen, great talking to you. Uh great thoughts as usual. Um we'll see you next time. Soon. And Yeah, uh, thanks for having then, you guys. Yeah. Really appreciate you, it. Owen.
0: Have you tried YouTube ads? What are your concerns? What are your thoughts about YouTube ads? Would love to hear your comments in the comment area and and just stay in touch because it's a big conversation and YouTube is here to play. They don't just want to be a cool thing for millennials. They want to be, they want to dominate your television.
3: So let's have that conversation. Thanks guys for having me.
2: Bye Owen. Thank you so much.
3: All right. Thank you, Owen. And as we bring in Gavin to talk about Facebook ads There he is. Hello. Uh, Just want to give you a quick reminder. The Social Media Marketing Society doors are closing, but you can still get your foot in that door by going to socialmediasociety.info, and that's where you can find out more about YouTube ads and Facebook ads, which is what we're going to talk about next. So our guest... Now is Gavin Bell, an award-winning expert, vlogger, speaker on Facebook advertising and funnel building. I was, I was going to call you a funnel building.
2: That makes no sense. Uh, you're a funnel builder. <laughs> he's a funnel builder. You're a, fun,
1: you're a funnel he's
3: a, builder. He's a
2: face advertising funnel builder. <laughs> so, Gavin, welcome to the show. First
3: time. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, long story short, Facebook, right before Black Friday last year, had an outage, its longest outage ever so far, uh, which was about four hours. And there's an article, and we're going to quote, we're going to kind of quote from this article a bit because it's it's something that uh, we've seen a lot of experience kind of being echoed in private messages, but not collectively, kind of intermittently, ones and twos, you know, all these different messages right. about uh, Facebook ads manager not working or uh, in various ways, whether it's can't run things or uh, inconsistency of what they're seeing, different things like that. I'd like to say, if you wouldn't mind maybe starting off us off with, uh, you're in the UK and some of this stuff is us related, though it it also will have an effect in the UK. Um,
1: tell us a story, Gavin, what's your experience been like? Yeah. So it's kind of funny to me because I've been running ads for years on Facebook now, and it's kind of got to the point where, I don't actually see them as problems anymore because I'm just so used to the platform being one big problem <laughs> things happening over and over again. So it was only when we started talking about this show and the show notes that I was like, God, there actually is a lot of problems with Facebook. And the most recent one for us, um, is we, we run the ads for a festival company over here in the UK. So they run food festivals all around the UK there's about eight, um, in a year. And, uh, one of the biggest ones is down in London. We normally run the campaigns over six weeks and we're now into the final week. So that well, the festival is actually this weekend. Um, and I got to, logged into Ads Manager Monday morning and realized that all the ads were not delivering. I had an email from the client that was like, our ad numbers are slightly down from last year. And I go, right, okay, let's take a look. And I realized that Facebook had disapproved every single ad in that campaign now there's probably i don't know 30 running ads at that that time so i go right okay let's let's go see what we can do with facebook so facebook reached out to them get the kind of usual not so supportive support from them but they managed to put the ads live and i get i think i got something i got way too many emails from them i think i got 80 emails saying that all the ads had been approved so send the email to the client, happy days, ads are back approved, we're, we're back in business, let's run them again, and we'll increase the, the budget a little bit to, um, to make up for that lost time. Log in again, maybe that afternoon, so three, four hours later, all the ads have been disapproved again. So we had to go through the exact same process all over again. Again, the client's going, well we're kind of down on numbers from sales, from a sales point of view. So what's going on here? And me is, as, as the, the media buyers having to try and explain to the client, as I've done many, many times that this is out of my hands. This is a Facebook problem as much as I'd love it to be my problem. Sometimes it's Facebook's problem and trying to get that across to the client can always be tricky, but it's something that I've become pretty good at uh, <laughs> over the last last few months, especially. So we apologize
2: for unearthing all these feelings for you. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't mean this would be triggery for you.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Gavin, I can I can tell you publicly here. You're not alone. We have got a lot of private messages that have been similar to this where they would get a stream of things, uh, approved and then go back later and they were then unapproved and so on. And the round and round, and then even the, the quote unsupportive support. And that's essentially what has come about in this article that TechCrunch is doing, or I don't think it's TechCrunch, is it? It's marketing land. No, it's, it's
2: marketing land and it's a pretty in-depth article. It was, it's a pretty, it like it, it, it takes another advertiser, another marketer, another marketing company, like, you do in the UK, but here in the US, and it just goes step by step through everything they've gone through and trying to get this meeting with Facebook and all this stuff. So yeah, it's fairly in depth. So we'll have that link to you in the uh, article that's publishing on Saturday after the show. So if you want to check that out, but we do have some quotes from there. So it says ad performance has been inconsistent, especially with wild swings for smaller advertisers, such as those spending less than... Here in the U.S., it's uh, 15,000 or less per month. Uh, It sounds like you've been seeing the same inconsistencies in your business, and I know other agencies have.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think um, one of the people that was quoted in that article is David, who I know. I must say, I think there's from my experience, there's a little bit more problems for U.S. advertisers than, than I'm experiencing here in the U.K., Um, And I don't know whether that is because the problems seem to arise when new features are being rolled out. The number of problems I've come across that are just small little things, but can actually have a large impact if they go unnoticed in a campaign, such as a tiny little thing that really bothers me is sometimes when I'm writing the ad copy for a campaign, I'll maybe copy and paste a date, for example, into the ad copy. Facebook will then just go and remove it. And it'll just remove that copy and paste. And if I don't notice that, and then put the ads live, and it's maybe for a seminar, for example, but there's no date or time on the ad, then that's going to have a massive impact on that campaign. Absolutely. So there's little things like that. There's, I mean, and also, I mean, I, just before I came on here, I went on to one of the Facebook groups that I'm part of, Facebook ad buyers, and literally just typed in the keyword issues. And <laughs> in the last week alone, there's been a well, ton yeah. of different posts of people having issues. Well, I mean, one of them is somebody was running a campaign optimizing for purchases, and they noticed that their click-through rate had doubled, but their purchases hadn't gone down. So they went and checked all the ad sets and realized that Facebook had removed the optimization for purchase. and so Facebook <laughs> was just sending a ton of traffic to the website, but not traffic that was optimized for purchases. Now if you're spending 500, a thousand, whatever it is a day, and you go, and that, a little thing like that goes unnoticed, that's a lot of money.
2: Yeah. wow. Uh, We have uh, Allie Kelly here in the comments. She's uh, she heads our uh, social media marketing society and she just laughed and goes like issues. We know, right, Allie. So every day we get comments like this, too. So um, absolutely. So do you think that Facebook has any incentive to change at this point? I mean, they're kind of the biggest player. I mean, let's just be honest. They're the biggest player. They're the biggest player in town. But and a lot of the issues that were highlighted in, in this article in Marketing Land where they look at tech issues and it was also a customer service problems. but does Facebook have any incentive to change?
1: You know, it's such a good question. and I think Facebook have been that top dog for, for many years now and they haven't really had an incentive to change, but I feel like it reaches a point where people don't take it anymore, mm-hmm. but it kind of goes back to what Owen said in, in that. Well, from from my point of view, advertisers are going to go where the attention is. Advertisers are going to go where they where they get the best results. And Facebook, for me and for many others, is still that place. It's still where the attention is. It still is where the return on investment for for most people are. My my mum always says to me, Gav, what happens if Facebook breaks, or what happens if Facebook disappears? Like what's what you're going to do? And I'm like, well, as an advertiser, it's my job to go where the attention and the best results are for our okay. clients. Facebook is that place right now, and, and when I talk about Facebook, I also mean Instagram because it's it's the same thing. Yep. But there's going to be there's going to reach a point where that doesn't cut it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as Owen was alluding to, if we look at YouTube ads, I mean, I don't have a huge experience in YouTube ads, although we have just started running our own. If YouTube ads becomes that place where that's where the attention is, it becomes a cheaper place to advertise, and you're still getting the return on investment. People are just going to go there. I mean, I've even like tried running ads on Quora and all these other platforms to test whether we can get that return investment that we get on Facebook right now. And so for the last few years, I don't think they've had an incentive to change, but there reaches a point where that just can't get away with that anymore. And they're going to have to adapt in order to keep people on the platform. but at the same time, it seems to be the more features that they bring out and when they change things, that's when there seems to be the biggest problems. So yeah. if they're going to be if they are adapting, and innovating they have to do that without causing the issues to advertisers. Cause then they're going to have to weigh up whether our advertisers are going to put up with this problems to get the new innovative, whatever it may be, or will they just disappear?
3: Yeah. Well, even in the social media marketing, industry report that we put out fairly recently, we show that Facebook is still the most important social media platform among marketers, but they are beginning to diversify. And it actually had a, a dip for the, I mean, the biggest dip it's ever had and it's performance. So do you think that these this performance that ad um, buyers are seeing the quote lack of service or even the re- being able to report issues like this are going to you know, potentially drive advertisers to
1: diversify faster? I think it has to. I think it has to. Mm-hmm. Like if, we, if we look at some of the quotes in the Marketing Land article, and from my own experience, one, I mean, one of the big things is a lot of, and I don't know the numbers behind this, but a lot of the advertising spend that goes into Facebook from businesses is going to be driven through some sort of media buyer or agency. And if Facebook is upsetting the agencies... And the way that, for example, me having to go back to that client and tell them there's literally nothing I can do here, which like it's a Facebook issue, which just sounds like a cop out on my perspective. If I'm having to do that with every client all the time and have to get angry clients come back to me and and say, this isn't good enough. We should be getting better results. Like why would I continue putting client advertising spend into a product that doesn't work? Mm -hmm. And so if we look at that and we look at, as Owen alluded to before, the kind of rising costs of Facebook ads as well, there might reach a tipping point where the cost is probably still low, but it's too high with that combined annoyance to carry on advertising there. Yeah.
2: Mm. So what happens when Facebook screws up as badly as they have for your particular client? Do they give you a credit or a refund? How? What is that process like?
1: Yeah, if, if it's something like the disapproval, we get an apology. That's pretty much it they have been like, we have started to see some things like where we, in this case with this client, where we probably missed out on, I don't know, one or 2000 pounds. So I don't know, $3,000 or whatever it may be worth an ad spend over, over a couple of days, which would allude to a lot of ticket sales for this client. That's probably five, six grand worth of, of revenue for the client that was missed out, which Mm. Facebook will never give us it back. And, and I have had this problem before and they've always come back and said, we recommend that you build the campaigns before they go live so that we can approve them before you plan on putting them live. And that's all well and good. But if you're going to put them live, approve them and then disapprove them a couple of days later, then then what can you do?
3: Yeah. Well, this I imagine this leaves you in a, a bit of a tough spot because, and, and, and as you said, you've been, you had kind of, before you started looking over the article and the notes for talking about this with us, that you'd kind of just gotten used to it. And so it really didn't feel like it was, you know, it was almost the boiling of the frog where they gradually just turn up the heat and you just don't remember that you used to not feel so hot. Um, (laughs) In the article, they talk about this group of Facebook advertisers that are getting together and that they did get a meeting with Facebook uh, scheduled to sit down and talk with them about all of these uh, cumulative issues. We can kind of I mean, what else can we do other than kind of hope that that actually gets somewhere somewhere? But, uh, I, you know, I do I feel like I've heard once or twice somewhere else that in the end, gradually, it's going to be only the big players that are going to be able to do the ads on Facebook. Have you heard something similar?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of in terms of the advertise the cost to advertise on Facebook. Like it's for so long, it's been so cheap to advertise on Facebook. Like we can literally. In some cases, it's literally like bankrolling because we know that we're spending fiber and we're making and we're making $10 back, whatever it may be. But that's, I mean, more advertisers that come onto the platform spending more. Like we spoke about TV ads before with Owen and things. As soon as all that money comes to Facebook and social, it's going to drive the smaller advertisers. But saying that, I, I don't know whether it's going to reach a point where smaller advertisers just can't afford to advertise on there. I feel like, um, and, and one of the things for me is I hate to blame Facebook. Because as an advertiser and a marketer, I understand and we all need to understand that we're playing on their field. And so we're playing on their field, we're playing by their rules. And so we need to adapt to what they're doing. It's like complaining about an Instagram algorithm change, for example. There's no point in complaining about it. They're giving us this platform to use. Now, Facebook ads are slightly different because we're actually spending money and we're giving them money and we expect that sort of service back. But so that's kind of why I have this love-hate relationship where I hate to blame them, but at the same time, they're not really giving the service back that a lot of advertisers or agencies have spent the time and money learning and, and promoting yeah. and, and using. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but they do have a responsibility to deliver on their promises, whatever totally. they may be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm,
1: I mean if the if the platform just worked. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't care about whether you can get a return on investment because a lot of that comes down to the advertiser. But if right. the platform just worked. Yeah that would that would be a good start yeah yeah
2: absolutely Uh,
3: Gavin uh, thank you so much for being here great talking with you great insights and thanks for sharing your experience we're sorry for dredging all this up for you and (laughs) it's been like a
1: counseling session for me yes Uh, but
2: we are very much looking forward to having you on again soon to talk about other Facebook ad news as there surely will be in the near future
1: right thank you so much for having me thanks Gavin thank you Gavin all right That was
2: great insight. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, that's one of the benefits of our society that we've been talking about um, that uh, you do, you are able to go in there and say, and I see this constantly, um, you know, like, hey, I'm having this issue. Are you seeing it, too? And more often than not, you're not the only one. Yeah, so that's why I, that's why go. it was
3: funny when Allie was in the chat saying so many issues because she's seeing all these posts of people. Oh, asking, yeah, I have. The, I've done this and this is what happened. And then this happened. And I tried to do this. But then, the, you know, and it's just, you know, anyway, so. Uh, but that said, we got some couple other quick pieces, small pieces of news. Number one, uh, this is kind of an in the wild thing where uh, Facebook is working on a bottom bar in Facebook stories. And it's a stories composer where you can add what's this text and stickers and effects and even drawing yeah. And as this sounds was found, familiar. I know it, this was I hope so. But uh, it was found by tech researcher uh, Jane Manchun Wong. Did I say that right? I hope I did. And I hope so. Yes. She's great. But she, she's yes. great for discovering this this kind of stuff. Yes. So. And and essentially you go into this and it's almost a you know how there's a different aesthetic between Facebook's mobile stuff and Instagram's mobile stuff, even though they're the same company or owned by the same, whatever. It looks like the Facebook version where you've got the little silhouettes and the faces and the smileys and gif. And it It looks like all Facebook stuff, but it's there. It's over at the upper right of what would traditionally be your story. And so instead of all of it, the options being along the top row or along the top as a row, it's along the side as a top down uh, in the upper right corner, and it's got music, tag friends, location, poll, feelings, GIF, and then about along the bottom, it's text, stickers, effects, draw. Uh, you know, with all the emphasis, and boy, did we talk to a bunch of you about not using Facebook Stories this week on our Facebook page. Um, this is addressing one of the biggest issues that a lot of people said, "I'm not using Facebook Stories because there's nothing there to use. There's no creative element there for me to do anything with." Well, hopefully, this is that uh, coming through soon.
2: Cool. Oh, right, well, Facebook published a guide for stories ads. Speaking of stories, so this can be found on Facebook's business site. It is a and that's facebook.com slash business. There's a one-sheeter there offering a guide on effective stories ads with visual assets. And it's about creating stories ads with visual assets you probably already have. So this isn't creating something new. It's repurposing what you may already have or what you can create. Uh, this is ideal for people that are uh, small businesses or solopreneurs, or or maybe just getting started, and you're not quite sure if you want to do this or not. So, uh, by the way, do it and uh, check it out. So it will also Facebook also gives you examples of effective stories ads uh from various uh brands so you can go check that out again that's facebook.com slash business uh there'll be a link in the saturday article for that and
3: lastly tweet deck is getting native support for gifts polls emoji and more this is great for people who join our tweet chat which you can find every Wednesday Wednesday. at uh 1 p.m eastern 10 a.m pacific kind of like this show and Ultimately, what TweetDeck does is makes it so you can have all those different columns. TweetDeck was bought by Twitter a long time ago, kind of left out to dry for a long time. Then they started revisiting it. TweetDeck is a favorite of, for example, Jen Cole, who helps run our tweet chat, as hashtag SME chat. And the problem with using TweetDeck up till this point was one of the great things about using tweet chats or tweet decks for tweet chats is that it's got all your categories and your mentions and your hashtag stream and all that kind of stuff, but it couldn't do any of the fun stuff like gifts or emojis and things. And they're adding that in. And because the other, the other week when I was in the tweet chat, I was like, I have my phone to be able to do all the fun stuff. (laughs) And the tweet chat, the tweet deck was up to do all the like text replies and Uh things to the answers. But having those put together all on the desktop, beautiful. I love this. Thank you, TweetDeck, for for coming out with this. Thank you, Twitter, for for updating TweetDeck with this. So
2: I was about to mention when when uh, my, Eric and I were both guests. I think it was last week. I don't know all I the weeks so. ago. Anyway, so we were guests, and I was having to switch back to Twitter on my phone to respond. With GIFs because GIFs are my ultimate love language.
3: So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So, uh, tweet chat users rejoice. Tweet deck is a great tool now made much better for tweet chats. And again, join us Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, hashtag SME chat. And with that, that's our show. And so for all the details, links, notes, everything we discussed in today's episode of the Social Media Marketing Talk Show, you'll find in the recap. It's on Saturdays at Social Media Examiner, which you can find at socialmediaexaminer.com slash news. You can find the audio podcast of this show on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. New episodes drop every Monday. Just search for Social Media Marketing Talk Show. Don't forget the Social Media Marketing Society doors are closing creak the door is shutting go to socialmediasociety.info to get in before we shut the door hopefully not on you and special thanks to grace duffy for being a great show producer and great co-host
2: thank you eric for being a great host and for jeff c for handling all of our simulcast he is the myth the man the magic except he's real and then uh Thank you to Owen Video and to Gavin Bell for being excellent guests. It was a really fun show.
3: Yes. So our next show, you can get it on your calendar by going to socialmediaexaminer.com slash live show. It's next week, Friday, May 31st, 2019, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. And until then, have a great week.
2: Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye. The Social Media Marketing Talk Show is a Social Media Examiner production. For more social media insight, visit socialmediaexaminer.com.
0: If you're like so many fellow marketers and creators and entrepreneurs, you're probably wondering, how do I put AI to work? Well, be sure to listen to the AI Explored podcast, a new show from Social Media Examiner hosted by yours truly, Michael Stelzner. Again, check out the AI Explored podcast.